Hello, and welcome to Psyche and Spirit with Relendra. I'm Relendra, and today I'd like to read to you uh, from a journal entry that became an article uh, that I originally wrote in June of 2020 in a response to a very surreal uh, set of experiences that happened all at once at a very surreal moment in time and history and in my life. And it really represented the confluence of a number of factors that were coming together in my mind and in my conscious awareness. That the world was not the way I had thought it was. And I was learning that through the course of that first lockdown and with all the, the George Floyd protests and, and everything coming together. That was the moment and I'd like to just share what I wrote with you. It's called Part of the Problem, An Encounter with the Surreal. I was rattled and shaken up. The previous day I had renewed sessions with my old therapist and I'd first worked with her in 2013, briefly for two intervals over two years and then weekly for three years. And it had been a year and a half since our last session. So I renewed sessions with her because I was feeling alarmed at what I identified as acute authoritarianism in society, with shaming, self-righteousness, blacklisting, canceling, and all kinds of vitriol directed at those who questioned the set of required beliefs held by the dominant group and perpetuated by the institutions of power. And I've written in depth about my experiences during this time in the article, Lockdown Evoked a Political and Conceptual Earthquake in My Life. I'll be reading that article and all my articles uh, as episodes of Psyche and Spirit uh, here in the weeks to come. But in summary, I was finding myself questioning the beliefs of every group, uh, particularly the authoritarian characteristics of thought I observed in all directions finding myself without a group, and I was doubting the severity and, head, and uh, the deadliness of COVID-19, and found myself opposing the state impositions of social separation, lockdowning, mask wearing, vaccination. That had not yet come in as an imposition yet, but I was paying attention, and, and I saw the way the wind was blowing. Um, I knew that was the plan at the time, even back in June, right, that this would be something that they would try to require um, in an authoritarian way. And so I opposed these things, even if the virus were in truth as deadly as they claimed, which, as I mentioned, I had begun to very seriously doubt. And, you know, I don't, you know, just a side note, I'm going to offer these sort of side notes as I read these articles, but um, side note, I don't know if y'all remember like how deadly they were claiming this virus was, was at the time. It, uh, and like what we've now discovered as like the actual fatality rate, that information was available in June of 2020. And I had found that information. Now that information has become accepted as mainstream 
truth. Um, at the time, you were not allowed to say it. You had to believe that it had something like a 3% fatality rate, right? Something like very, very dangerous. Um, side note, I'm going to get back to the article. So, at the time, I was also disturbed by what had become of the Black Lives Matter movement. And I was worried its new form that I was seeing around me with these protests, uh, with all the canceling and shaming and so forth, uh, and the self-righteousness. It was very... I was concerned that in this new form, it would work against racial justice and against racial healing and would strengthen racism itself by getting everybody to just like put race as as the way that they saw themselves and saw each other and and apply judgments on others and self based on race and that this would also weaken democracy weaken human kindness compassion and that was going on for me and it, and it seemed on every side of every political divide people were rushing to conclude that the mistake we'd made in the past was we'd allowed too much freedom, too much liberty, too much speech. We'd given too much room for diversity of conscience and diversity of opinion. And I was also confused because I'd always identified with the political left, uh, primarily due to my understanding that the left was the ideology that supported the freedoms now under assault and the ideology which opposed bigotry and discrimination. But suddenly I was observing the left acting to undermine those values more so than the right. And finding pockets of the right voicing the same concerns I held, while the left denounced anyone holding these concerns as racist, murderously selfish, dangerously deluded. And I was experiencing fear because it was not socially safe to discuss my doubts and perceptions with others without being canceled or blacklisted. And I needed someone to talk to I could trust with my perceptions, with my fears and concerns, uh, to help me process my alarm and support me in retaining my sense of solidity in myself. As the sands beneath my feet seemed to be rapidly shifting and melting away. And I was finding that the only people who seemed to observe and take note of what I was seeing were so-called conspiracy theorists or those open to conspiracy, so-called conspiracy interpretations. Uh, consensus reality was not just fracturing, it was shattering. And where did I stand in relation to all this? Well, I shared all this with my therapist uh, during our first renewed session. Uh, and the next morning, I received an email from her informing me that she could not continue to work with me due to the content I'd shared with her. She refunded my money and wished me all the best for my future. Uh, when I got that email, I experienced a rush of alarm in my body. Uh, thoughts were rushing through my head. What had just happened here? my own therapist I'd worked with for five years. So much trust 
you know, even love that I had felt in that, um, in that therapeutic relationship. Uh, she had just canceled me, just like that. No discussion about it, no, just an email and, and here's your money back. Thanks, have a good one. So on one level, it felt good to get confirmation that I hadn't been paranoid about my fears of cancellation. But it didn't feel good to learn that I hadn't been paranoid enough. Um, and other thoughts were coming in. Maybe I have it wrong. Maybe I had it wrong. Maybe my therapist canceling me was evidence that I had become a dangerous person, a toxic individualist, delusionary at best, and morally reprehensible at worst. Only I couldn't see it due to my own delusions. Or did it mean something else I didn't understand? So, well, I took a walk, uh, I went and took a walk to get grounded and to think through what was going on, what to make of it. A few blocks away in my neighborhood, I came across an older white man on, on a street corner, overweight, probably about 60 years old, I would guess. And he was shouting loudly as he recorded a video testament to his smartphone, just kind of holding the, the phone there, you know, shouting into it on the street corner. Uh, he was distraught and had apparently just been expelled from his home due to ideological arguments and differences with the woman he had been living with. And so here are some of his pronouncements. She says she hates white people, that she never liked them. She says the police are oppressors. She says Christians are rapists and pedophiles. She threw me out, the woman I've lived with for the past year. I didn't say anything before, but I finally called them out on their lies and they threw me out. She says white people remove natives from their land, but she removed me, her own native, from our land, from my home. And it went on like this. He just kept going. He was on a roll. <laughs> um, and I was keeping my distance because I was, I was wary of getting involved, but but I stopped across the street and just stood there listening in fascination. This man was so caught up in his pain, he didn't, he didn't even notice me. And then I looked up at the building, kitty corner to him, and I saw that the entire wall of an apartment complex had been covered with chalk art, uh, framing the following written message. Black lives matter. If you're not mad, you are part of the problem. And so there it was, this mural there, and this man here, and, and I experienced a strong sense of the surreal in this context of just having been canceled by my therapist for questioning what was going on. And I walked back to my home to get a phone, to get my phone so I could return and take a picture of the mural and have it later to meditate on. Uh, but since then, well, and, and side note, <laughs> that mural stayed up for almost two years. Um, it's almost two years now. It, it only came down a few months ago. So I needn't have <laughs> worried about 
being able to take a picture of it, right? It, it was going to be up there for a while. But uh, since then it occurred to me that the message about if you're not mad, you're part of the problem can be read two ways. It could be read as if you're not angry, you're part of the problem. Or if you're not insane, you're part of the problem. It's two kind of different definitions of mad. And so, but I got back, and the man was still there, and he was still recording his testament, starting to repeat himself, and he's losing steam at this point. His defiant anger was giving way to grief and sorrow. Uh, and reflecting on this now, I wonder to myself. So when he was angry, he wasn't part of the problem then. But now he's become part of the problem because he's in sorrow instead of anger got to be angry if you're not going to be part of the problem. Well, I wasn't angry at the time either, at that moment. I was scared, I was confused, I was overwhelmed, but not angry. Did that make me part of the problem? <laughs> what is the problem? Or maybe I was insane. And if so, if I was insane, then I was mad, and therefore not part of the problem. The man's voice was getting softer now, but I heard him say, I don't have a bed. I don't have a home. I don't have anything. And I looked over and saw that he was speaking to another man who'd come up to offer him some support. It seemed to be a stranger, not, not somebody that he knew. And this other man came up to him and, and broke social distancing protocol. Everybody was still doing that at the time, keeping six feet away from everyone else, if you can remember. Um, he walks up and gave this man a hug, just embraced him. And, and the other man just hugged him back and they were just holding each other as I walked away. Headed back to my home, running late for my next video session with a client of mine in my own work as a therapist. And that was it. That was the that was the surreal encounter. And normally I might conclude with an interpretation of what it all means, but rather than that, I'd prefer to leave the interpretation open. I'd like to invite us to pause and reflect for a moment how it's possible to project meaning and stories onto any of this, to condemn me, or to vindicate me, to condemn the man on the corner or vindicate him, to condemn Black Lives Matter or vindicate it, to condemn my therapist or vindicator. We can invent any number of stories and presuppositions to confirm our pre-existing biases. Uh, but I do believe the following statement is undeniable. We are all under intense psychological pressure in this moment. And really, it was, now I'm speaking towards that moment. In that moment, we were under intense psychological pressure to endorse and denounce certain beliefs and certain people who held those beliefs with tremendous moral weight attached to those pressures. Change a few things about what we believe 
is true in the world. And that moral weight shifts radically from supporting one ideology to another. But how are we sure about what is true? How sure are we in the media narratives? How sure are we about this virus? About viruses in general? How certain are we about immunology and how that works? How sure are we that our values are inviolable and that competing values cherished by others are invalid? Is it possible that part of the problem is our certainty in our certainty? The corresponding absence of compassion and empathy that follows from this and the unswerving trust in those who tell us who we are and what we must do, what we must believe in order to be good. That's the end of the article. Um, and yeah, in the spirit of the article, I'll just leave it there rather than add further reflections. Um, and look forward to being back next time. This is Rulendra signing out.